the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is The Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis. Monday, friends, and welcome to another episode of The Jenna Ellis Show. I'm Jenna Ellis, and so much to talk about today. The chief thing that is the breaking news that everyone is very concerned about is the situation in Ukraine with Russia poised for this so-called minor incursion that apparently Joe Biden has given the green light and has shown Russia that America is no longer the world strength that we were under President Trump, and frankly, uh, that we have been uh, throughout the course of American history. Joe Biden is a complete disaster. And for him to step up at that press conference last week and to basically say to Putin that he's scared of him, that he's saying, you know what, this minor incursion, fine with us, uh, that's really concerning. And so how then uh, Russia is going to respond to Ukraine and now the situation as well with uh, China looking at Taiwan. There are a lot of things going on on the world stage. So what do we as American citizens need to know and understand? There's a lot of conversation on Twitter as well going, you know, hey, should America even be concerned? Ukraine isn't our country. So what's the deal? Should we even participate in this on the world stage? So I'm going to have an expert who is um, a Navy officer who also served in the uh, Bush 43 White House as a senior advisor, and he's also running for Congress out of the state of Texas. He is going to join me in a few moments. But first, the Biden administration, as you know, has caused a financial crisis. They have no clue how to fix it. They don't know how to fix anything. His approval ratings are plummeting. He is such a weak and pathetic, pathetic leader. I don't even think we can call him a leader anymore. But oil prices have skyrocketed. And when oil prices go up, not only do your expenses go up, but the cost of transportation and shipping spikes, leading the prices of goods to rise. And we're already seeing record inflation. That's the very last thing that we need. Our economy is in trouble and you need to take steps to protect yourself. If all of your money is tied up in stocks, bonds, and traditional markets, you may be vulnerable. So gold is one of the best ways to protect your retirement. No matter what happens, you own your own gold. It's real, it's physical, and it's always been valuable since the dawn of time. Legacy Precious Metals is the company that I trust for investing in gold. They can help you roll your retirement account into a gold-backed IRA where you still own the physical gold. They can also ship gold and precious metals safely and securely to your house. So call Legacy Precious Metals today because it is never too early to start investing in your retirement health. Call them at 866-528-1903 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. So joining me now is Paul Chabot, and he is a Navy Reserve intelligence officer or commander and a former White House senior advisor for Bush 43. And Paul, thanks so much for joining me today on this really important topic of everything going on in Ukraine. 
Yeah, thanks so much, Jennifer, for having me. I think it's a critical topic, obviously time, timely, uh, you know, real timely. Things are changing on the hour almost uh, as you watch what's unfolding, uh, not just uh, with Ukraine, but also potentially in the Pacific as well. So lots to sort of uh, unpack here uh, in your yeah. program and get your viewers up to speed. Yeah. So starting with that, I mean, let's kind of contrast this initially with, uh, you know, President Trump released a statement this morning saying none of this would have happened under his watch. Uh, what is your perspective on what the Biden administration uh, did last week with Joe Biden coming out and basically saying that he was OK with or gave the green light on a minor incursion? What exactly does that mean? And how has that either aided or supported or simply allowed the events that are now unfolding? I had to hear that uh, comment twice just to make sure it was what he said it was. And I was shocked. Uh, he basically greenlit Russia and um, the White House tried to walk that back. But really, how do you walk back something such an ignorant, dangerous statement for our commander in chief to say? Now, before I, I dig a little deeper here, let me say I do not speak on behalf of the DOD or the Navy. I'm an intel officer 20 years as a reservist. So I'm speaking to you as a veteran, uh, obviously, today, but uh, 20 years experience in the intel community uh, and very familiar with uh, the national stage and international stage. So you look, uh, uh, Putin's going to look for any weakness. Uh, he's trained uh, in that KGB. So uh, he sees a weak administration, a weak presidency. And when you hear comments like that coming out of the commander in chief, I think it sends shockwaves. Does two things. One, uh, it re he really did green light. Uh, Putin and his advance and his rhetoric. But number two, it sends a chilling effect uh, to our allies around the globe. Look, uh, Ukraine's not part of NATO. We get that. But at the same time, do we want to see a sovereign nation get invaded uh, when we already know that Russia has made huge strides uh, in Europe to allow basically Europe to become dependent on oil? And so Russia is not uh, the Cold War enemy, they they were in comparison to their capabilities. But it doesn't matter because this is all a numbers game of troops, which are relatively inexpensive compared to major equipment movements halfway around the globe. This is right next door. And so they are amassing along the border. Our allies are doing a little bit uh, today, you know, sending one or two fighters here and there, a frigate. But look, you would have never seen these kind of moves uh, made uh, in in the Trump White House, or quite frankly, I think any other White House in our recent memory. So it is dangerous times, and this president owns these dangerous times that he's created, not just for us here at home, but Americans abroad as well. Yeah, and and that really begs the question because I've seen a lot of the Twitter chatter, and you know, while a lot of people are have a lot of opinions, how informed are those opinions really? And especially when we're talking about, um, you know, some of these more foreign policy and strategic um, moves, and we're talking about allies, we're talking about, you know, um, NATO versus not versus, you know, where we're getting oil from. I mean, there's a lot of different pieces here. And so one of the biggest questions that I've seen on Twitter is people asking, why should America even care what happens to Ukraine when we can't even protect our own borders? What's yeah. your response to that? No, it, it, look, it is an ideal, great argument to make, but it also, again, shows a weakness in this administration. If they can't protect our southern border, how are we going to provide advice, suggestions, help, manpower, not literally boots on the ground, but equipment, intelligence, ISR capabilities <clears throat> to Ukraine or our allies if we can't even protect our own backyard? 
Look, I think that Americans right now watched this crisis and debacle unfold in Afghanistan. And uh, it shook the roots of confidence in our American troops. But that's not to say, look, we've got the best trained, equipped military in the world. But I will tell you, I believe our morale is probably at the lowest that I've seen it in 20 years. And here's why. This administration right now cares more about punitive action, harming our sailors, soldiers, airmen, Marines for not getting a COVID shot. When at the same time, we have crises on our border and around the world that this administration literally puts their head in the sand. And we all know as intelligent Americans that there are certain things we can do, but it's really leading through peace, through strength. And so wherever there is weakness, look, I did 21 years in law enforcement. Uh, We know that criminals prey on the weak. And if our enemies around the world see America as weak, not because of necessarily our military, they're really constrained by this administration, but our leader, then it's going to cause evil to grow. And so Take it that one step th- further. Just this week, uh, China really making some incursions into Taiwan. Well, why are they doing that? Uh, it's again, China's looking at what's happening in Ukraine. They see a weak presidency, the Afghanistan uh, failure, and China, quite honestly, is doing a remarkable job. And we've got to look at it in that sense a remarkable job in not only growing their military capability in the Pacific but around the entire globe. And so we have two adversaries right now which are growing in dominance while the U.S. lacks any leadership or ability uh, to mobilize our allies on a concerted front, even just to defend Ukraine with words, which this president could not do at a press conference. Yeah, which is really shocking. I mean, when you think about it and uh, for Biden's presence on the global stage, I mean, Russia obviously sees uh, Joe Biden is very weak. And you just mentioned China. And there's a lot of perspective that says that if Ukraine falls and ultimately, um, you know, there is kind of this new Soviet uh, reconstruction again, then Taiwan will end up uh, going to China. I mean, what is what is really the outlook here in your projection if America doesn't intervene or Joe Biden doesn't somehow get a grasp of the national stage? What is the possibility, realistically, of what we could see? I mean, is this kind of a reconstruction, again, of the USSR? I mean, what actually is going to happen if America doesn't intervene? Yeah, so intervention can happen at different levels. But I've got four kids, uh, ages 14, 13, 12, and 8. Uh, always somebody's got a birthday, so I got one birthday wrong, I'm sure. But look, I've got to look at this as a father. Although, yes, I'm retiring from the military The world is much more dangerous now because of this president. And when a world is more dangerous, it causes more conflict. And with more conflict, there's more chances for wires to get crossed and us to end up having to send the next generation out to clean up messes that were created by inept presidencies of what we're seeing right now. So my big fear certainly is short term in one sense about what's happening in both sides of the globe. But we have got to look at this long term and for the next presidential cycle and for midterms, I would hope Republicans continue to beat this drum. They're talking to parents, look, parents with a new Tea Party in Virginia, but parents today need to be a little bit fearful uh, for their kids future in this country because this administration is setting up a very dangerous platform Hmm. for where our children are going to look at the world stage and see it as a much, much more dangerous place. 
Yeah, so you mentioned that there are different levels of, uh, of involvement and intervention. And so if you were advising Joe Biden today and he could take your advice, what would be your advice to his administration, his handlers, and to him to get a handle on this situation? Yeah, well, look, number one, sharing our, our ISR intelligence assets, absolutely critical. I'm sure we're probably doing that at some uh, level. Uh, the Republicans in the Senate have been very uh, clear about getting additional assets there to protect uh, Ukraine to utilize. It's not our boots on the ground that are pulling the trigger, but providing the resources uh, for Ukraine to be able to better defend themselves. One of the best things we can do is actually share our intel. And a lot of that is open source right now. You can actually watch or see the movements of what's happening with Russia. Right now, they are training in thousands of troops and equipment more uh, to the border. And how I mentioned earlier, you know, you don't need to have a huge footprint in Russia to make this happen. It's literally almost next door. And so these trains are coming. We know these things are coming. But also, this is what, is, this is what a, a, a good president uh, would do with our allies around the world. It's a united front. It is the entire European, uh, uh, our, our allies, the European Union to our Brits standing together. But I'm afraid that's not going to happen. And the Biden administration had a huge error or misstep uh, a number of months back when Republicans in the Senate were pushing back hard and asking Biden to get tough on this oil pipeline coming out of Russia to Europe. The reason this is such a big deal uh, for us looking forward at our allies is, look, a lot of wars have been fought over energy or oil or has caused conflicts. If Europe becomes dependent on Russian oil, our so-called allies there are not going to want to bite the hand that feeds them. And this is something that has been warned time and time again uh, to this administration. Look, and here, sadly, we're actually importing Russian oil into the U.S. today under the Biden watch uh, Mm -hmm. when he shut down the Keystone Pipeline. So we have these huge energy issues, Russia center focus, where if Biden had followed Trump's policies, we would not have the energy equation on the table right now that is causing quite a dilemma, I think, for the allies in Europe on how they're going to respond. Wow. And, you know, and so that also then begs the question, what does the GOP do uh, when, you know, obviously the conservatives are in the minority and at least for the next, you know, about 10, 11 months, uh, that's not going to change. And so what, if anything, can Congress do to put some pressure on Joe Biden and the president to, uh, to, and the administration to actually act and protect not only our interests, but our interests abroad? Well, look, one thing that, that we do around the globe very, very well is we have military exercises. Um, look, military exercises are a huge uh, flag in the sand to everybody watching about our true uh, power and capabilities. And I would you know, remind our adversaries and Americans to remember that you know, prior uh, to Pearl Harbor, uh, the United States of America was largely an isolationist nation. We didn't want to get involved in what was happening in Europe. But it took us getting attacked here on the homeland, basically, uh, in Hawaii for the complete paradigm to shift for us to get into that fight and ramp up. If I was the Biden administration, I would activate some additional significant exercises right now on, in both parts of the globe. You've got to be in the Pacific Boulder. We do have exercises out there, but I think we need to do them in larger context. Australia, I think, right now is doing a phenomenal job in helping on that side. Right now, the question really is Europe. You look at what's happened today from a few of our smaller European allies, 
you know, they are signaling, but in very small measure, you know, two fighters here, a fighter here, a frigate here. Uh, certainly that is something, but I'm hoping that there's higher level coordination. And here's what's actually embarrassing about it. I don't know if America can lead on this. I just mm-hmm. don't see how uh, we lead. And then who uh, is going to lead in Europe going forward? It is their backyard. But again, America has uh, the might and the intelligence and the resources to be able to provide that support without directly putting our people in harm's way. So do you say that you don't have a, a confidence in our leadership, meaning just the administration, or what about military personnel? I mean, we're seeing all of these headlines about how uh, military generals and everybody's basically going woke. Uh, there are a lot of people that are not confident in our military, but then, of course, um, you know, there are a lot of people who know that we do have really good soldiers. We do have really good people in the military. So is it a leadership failure of the military? Is it uh, the Biden administration? Is it both? And how does that Uh, interplay with the good soldiers that we do actually have. Yeah. So this is the heartbreaking part of this is that really the military has gone woke. I don't know if you recall, but there was a embarrassing um, recruitment video that I believe the army put out. Yes. And Russia actually used that uh, against us in showing the world just how feckless our political leaders were to make such a horrible decision. Uh, in that it really made us look like, yeah, we were all embarrassed. And, and I think that your commander in chief has, has a primary responsibility to make sure that the morale of the troops are high right now. They are not. And it's not just because of those commercials and the wokeness, but I think it's how we've seen this military treat, I'm sorry, the, the top leaders and the administration treat our soldiers, sailors, airmen. They've, they become punitive uh, with these COVID uh, shots. And so yeah. it has harmed people who were pregnant mothers, religious exemptions. Thankfully, the Navy SEALs have succeeded uh, somewhat in court right now. But if you think about this, the Navy didn't approve a single religious exemption, which is shocking because you can go through boot camp today and you can get certain exemptions for certain shots for certain reasons. But all of a sudden, COVID, and I'll tell you why, it is because it's become uh, a radical ideology. And our military personnel, I think, see that this is a a weakness in leadership. And you never want your military to question your leader's uh, capability. But quite honestly, I think we all are. And we need Congress to do that, which is why it's critical that the Republicans take back the House so we can have hearings on this issue and rebuild the morale of our military. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just as as someone who's obviously not part of the military, but um, is very much a concerned citizen, I love our military, I support our troops, uh, but I'm very concerned about the lack of leadership and the woke agenda of the leaders currently in place um, from the military. And this, frankly, doesn't build confidence. I mean, talking about, you know, morale in the military, but also among the American people to say, you know, if there was something that some kind of military action that we had to be a part of, um, depending on, you know, what happens in Ukraine, how we uh, do get involved, if we do, all of those things. I think a lot of the American people who are woken up to the truth are very concerned about the ability of the military to focus on 
the job that the military is supposed to do and not be concerned about, you know, some of these dancing videos. I mean, there was another um, video that was on TikTok about, you know, these really unsynchronized group of, um, I think it was in the army where, you know, they were dancing and trying to be like, hey, this is cool. And it's like, you're not in a sorority. This is the military. It should be more respectful than that. And you should have some pride and, uh, you know, just some ability to have some professionalism there and some confidence for the American people. So what should we, the people, be looking at over the next coming days, um, even hours, but also weeks and months to see how our military and how the administration is responding to this situation? So look, um, Putin doesn't necessarily want to go to war. He's looking for some um, things in writing, right, from this administration. And uh, this administration has signaled that um, that might be on the table. And that's dangerous because we saw the Iran uh, nuclear deal that thankfully, you know, Trump pulled us out of. But if we go into writing and in conditions, you're basically negotiating with a terrorist, uh, which you never do, because that's always a position of weakness. It's a position our country has long stood against. But unfortunately, uh, the Obama administration took us there. With Iran, so it's not only watching right now uh, what 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 Putin. It's a chess game. Uh, he right now is in a win-win uh, position. He could flex his muscle. He has the troops and capability right now uh, to invade Ukraine and topple that that country. But he also has um, the fear right now in the world. The stock market's down about a thousand points today. Uh, the United States economy is going to be in trouble. Inflation. People aren't feeling very good. This president's approval numbers are at the bottom. And, you know, Putin's looking at all of these measures as well. But I guarantee you, so is Iran and so is China. So we as our Navy, our military, our entire military has always been positioned to be able to fight two major wars at the same time. Hence our learning from World War II. The question that our congressional leaders and the American people needs to ask this administration is, if we believe uh, in Reagan's peace through strength, and we believe that to keep all of us safe, we must demonstrate strength and stability and competence. Are we doing that on the national and international field? And if not, then that needs to become the absolute focus. And we need to see other leaders begin to step up here. Obviously, I want to see it to be an American. But hey, maybe there's another Churchill out there somewhere in Europe that's going to take the helm. It would be embarrassing for this Biden administration. But but maybe All necessary. options are on the table. Yeah, because I don't really, I don't really expect him to, you know, get up and and have any better press conferences. And Jen Saki's over there drinking her margaritas and going kickboxing. So That's you know, right. she just wants to brunch her way through this. Apparently, so I mean, That's it's right. it is sad. It's embarrassing for the United States, but hopefully, at least our military will have the strength. And and I agree. I hope that there are some uh, world allies that will uh, show the American people and the few that still support Biden. I mean, his approval ratings are awful. Um, and, and as far as uh, his promises kept, it's like incredibly low ratings. I think it was something on MSNBC yesterday, about 5% of people said that he actually was keeping his campaign promises. And I thought, who are the 5%? There shouldn't even be that many. There shouldn't <laughs> even be right. five people because he's That's not. Right. But, um, but hopefully there will at least be a leader, even if it's not the United States, it should be the United States, but it's obviously not going to be Joe Biden. But, um, but Paul um, Chabot, thank you so much for your insight and we'll be following this story and I really appreciate your expertise. Thank you so much for your service and for your love of this country. Hey, my pleasure. And real quick, I didn't mention it, but I'm running for Texas state rep out here 
in an open seat. And my website is Defend Texas Now. The border is a huge part of our campaign. So awesome. I'm not just watching the border in Ukraine. It's also uh, here along Texas border with Mexico that you and I uh, discussed at the opening as well. So thanks so much for having me and uh, Absolutely. looking forward to staying yeah, in Yeah, and how can people, um, so give that website again, how can yep. they follow you on social media and uh, support your candidacy? Sure, please. Yeah, just uh, check out our website, defendtexasnow.com. Uh, tremendous theme about what we're doing here. We know if we lose Texas, we lose America. All roads right now to keep this country strong, drive through Texas based on the electoral votes. And we're going to work to make sure we keep Soros money and efforts out of the state. And that Beto's Hollywood money pouring in here is not going to flip Texas blue. So far, so good. But yeah, defendtexasnow.com. Great. Well, I'll have to have you back on the program to talk more about your campaign and the reasons that you want to protect uh, Texas. So thank you for coming on and sharing your expertise with us, but uh, really good to know. And I hope that everyone listening will go to your website. Uh, we'll support you and look at, especially since it's an open seat. Um, and, you know, we need really good people like you who understand congressional responsibilities, who understand, you know, the border, all of these issues and are proud to be Americans and actually want to defend and protect this country like our Constitution obligates our civil servants to do. Thank you, Jenna. Great to be with you. I appreciate the conversation. Great job. Thanks. All right. Well, 2022 is going to be a critical year for America and also for AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, along with their nearly 2 million members. The fight to stop out-of-control spending in the president's so-called Build Back Better scheme, is far from over. Congress is plotting a more legislation that could hurt our seniors, and the midterm elections will be a battle for freedom versus socialism. Unlike liberal groups, AMAC is America's conservative, action-oriented, 50-plus organization fighting hard every day in Washington and across the nation for our seniors. I am urging you to choose AMAC now. You will receive all of the great membership benefits, including AMAC discounts on hotels, travel, and restaurants, Go be free, live your life, and your membership will also support your values. So go to amac.us forward slash E-L-L-I-S. So again, go to amac.us forward slash Ellis to become an AMAC member now. Okay, so a few other top headlines that we definitely want to get to before this show is over today, always keeping you informed here on the program, is that the Supreme Court uh, just announced today on Monday that they are going to decline to hear an appeal from the D.C. Circuit Court that was Kevin McCarthy, uh, the minority leader in Congress's appeal to challenge Nancy Pelosi's proxy voting in Congress. And so the D.C. Circuit had said that uh, they do not have, the judicial branch does not have jurisdiction to hear challenges between lawmakers on the uh, legislative process or the rules internally because it's not a constitutional question. It's just a matter of how the uh, how Congress sets their own rules for their own chambers. It's a non-justiciable issue. And so that's what the D.C. Circuit held. The Supreme Court simply declined to hear the case. So that holding will remain in place. I think even though proxy voting um, under the auspices of the pandemic is, one, no longer necessary, but also was used, of course, as a pretext uh, to have proxy voting, which is problematic in a lot of ways, um, I think that that absolutely needs to stop. But that is going to be a fight internally that Congress has to manage. And hopefully we'll have a couple of uh, the other House Democrats that are going to see the problems implicit to proxy voting 
and they'll end up uh, being able to change those rules internally. As far as the judicial branch is concerned, I think this was the right move for the DC Circuit. That was the right uh, jurisprudential response, even though, of course, you're allowed to challenge uh, issues and make challenges in court, but there is a rule that is called non-justiciability, uh, which means that the court doesn't always have jurisdictions uh, to hear disputes. So not every single dispute can be handled by the judicial branch. It's not necessarily something that the court has the limited authority and their power under the separation of powers to determine and to arbitrate. Uh, so the non-justiciability principle is implicit throughout uh, legal proceedings, and that's what occurred here. So it doesn't mean that Kevin McCarthy is wrong or that there was an adverse ruling. It simply means that the court says, listen, you, got, you guys have to manage your own rules in your house yourself. So imagine if, for example, you have um, a dispute in your family, in your house, and you say, you know what, I don't want to have the rules that on Tuesday night I get to pick the movie on on Wednesday night, uh, you know, your spouse does. Well, that's not going to be a justiciable question. The court is going to say, listen, there's not legislation around it. We're not involved in, you know, the family situation. You guys are going to have to determine that yourselves. Um, and so there are not always things and matters that are controversies that the court actually has the jurisdiction, the authority to hear, and then has ultimately the power to adjudicate. What is interesting about this case comparatively with uh, Congressman Thomas Massey, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and others that also have filed a lawsuit regarding the mask policy. That question, I think, is going to be justiciable uh, if the court doesn't politicize this and kind of back away from something that they think may be a little bit too political. If they actually look at the merit and the constitutional challenge, the difference in that case versus the proxy voting is that Massey and uh, his other plaintiffs argued that Nancy Pelosi is running afoul of the U.S. Constitution by diminishing the congressional wage, which she's not allowed to do, and take actually the punitive penalty and that financial sanction for refusing to comply with the mask mandate from the congressional salary. There's a specific provision in Article 1 that does not allow Congress to diminish the wages of members, particularly based on political speech or otherwise punishing other members. So that is a textually based constitutional question that I do think that the court system does need to arbitrate. And that's what distinguishes that case from Kevin McCarthy's challenge that is just purely a rules-based issue. He may not like the fact that proxy voting remains in place, but he's going to have to get a majority in order to overturn and change that rule. But when it comes to actually enforcing a constitutional prohibition, like what Massey is challenging, that is something where the court does need to intervene, does have jurisdiction, and can and should arbitrate. So whenever you're looking at cases like this, and this is why I, I find law so incredibly fascinating, because on face, uh, a lot of commentators, even today since the Supreme Court has handed that opinion down, um, they've been comparing these cases and saying uh, for a, a variety of different reasons that this is simply a political question and this is something where, ha-ha, uh, you know, Leader McCarthy, uh, proxy voting is fine. You know, they're not looking at the specific legal question. And this is why the separation of powers is so incredibly important. When you look at the judicial branch, 
in Article 3, they are supposed to and intentionally are the weakest branch. They can't simply rule and comment on anything that they want to adjudicate. They have to have a legal jurisdictional ability in order to hear that case. Uh, there are multiple ways that you can get a case kicked out before it's even heard on the merits because the court simply doesn't have jurisdiction, whether that's personal jurisdiction, subject matter jurisdiction, um, you know, a lot of different ways. Uh, standing, that was a big issue that we've all heard about uh, in, over the last year, right? So there are a lot of different procedural mechanisms that come into play when you're dealing with the judicial branch where it's not a, uh, a purely just a question of who's right or what policy or house rules they should follow. It's whether or not the court legally and constitutionally can even hear the merit of the case. So we as conservatives always need to cut through all of that. We need to look at the rationale of what the court based its opinion on. Always compare that to the law, compare that to the Constitution, and then we can render a sound, conservative legal opinion on whether the court got it right and was following the law or whether they chose to be activists. Hopefully they'll always follow the law. We know that's not true. They are activists, but we want them to be conserving the rule of law, be consistent and predictable in their adjudication. And we want them to consistently and always uphold the law. It's never about Republicans versus Democrats. It's always, always, always about upholding the rule of law. So when we're looking at cases like this, we always have to look at the rationale and compare to our highest rule of law, the U.S. Constitution or whatever law uh, that case expressly deals with. And so when we're talking about this, make sure that you do not go just based on partisan talking points because we are not a nation of rulers. We are a nation that is led by the supreme rule of law. And we have to continue to advocate for that understand it so that we can better educate ourselves and the rest of our fellow citizens how to best preserve and protect our rule of law. Vaccines we know have not eliminated the Chinese Fauci virus, so we all need to take extra protection for our immune systems. My friends at Centurion Labs have combined five key ingredients to defend your immune system against allergies, colds, and the flu, even the coronavirus. It's called Centurion Defender, and it incorporates vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, copper, and quercetin in just one capsule. So no more swallowing 10 pills a day or not taking supplements because the individual cost is just too high. Take one Defender with breakfast and just one Defender with dinner and keep on living your life. Just like the Centurions of Rome led by example and held themselves to the highest possible standards, Centurion Labs has dedicated the last 15 years to research and develop safe, effective, and affordable healthcare products made in the USA that you can trust. For a limited time, listeners of this program can save 20% off their first order of Centurion Defender when you visit centurionlabs.com forward slash Jenna and use the promo code J-E-N-N-A. So defend your health today with Centurion Defender. Defender. That's Centurion Labs with an S, centurionlabs.com forward slash Jenna, and use promo code J E N N A. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.